Hey podcast, uh, the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. That's right, I put out the huge deck. How many pages was that, 270? The, the, the deck I put out on my birthday uh, is out there now and now I'm scared. Why am I scared? Because people love consuming information but they hate doing the things in the information. So we're doing the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. What does that mean? I am now challenging you, my audience, to make content at scale. Use the hashtag Gary V Challenge in Facebook, in Instagram, in Twitter, in LinkedIn so that we can find your stuff and I'm gonna pick some winners in January of the people that have gone out and actually made, making, contextually making, making at scale. Please go do that, go check it out. Looking forward to it, please enter. Doing always is better than reading. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up everyone and welcome back for another episode of the Gary V Audio Experience Podcast. Today, Gary sits down for a fireside chat at the Traffic Builders headquarters on November 26th. He talks about the digital marketing business and the one thing you should focus on in 2020. Make sure to hit him up with any questions or comments that you may have and I hope you enjoy. Uh, my name is Tim Burke. Uh, I'm the CEO of Traffic Builders and Conduit Digital. Uh, we've been very blessed over the last couple of weeks uh, to uh, be ranked by Adweek as the 21st fastest growing agency in the entire world. Uh, so that was, that was very cool, uh, but not this cool. We're also very blessed today to have uh, Gary Vaynerchuk join us. And uh, we're all super big fans uh, of Gary. Uh, have been for quite some time. I think everybody here watches something, listens to something uh, every single day that Gary produces. Um, I was going to do kind of a long introduction to Gary, but you don't need that. You already know who he is. Um, So I I will say um, that not only is he one of the most sought after public speakers uh, around, uh, crushing it is killing it still on the New York Times uh, bestseller list, but the guy is so culturally relevant uh, that he has his own sneaker line, which is really cool. <laughs> yes. And, and, and a brand new line. So uh, if you're in the digital marketing business in uh, 2019 going into uh, 20, um, I, I think you don't want to be like Mike. You want to be like Gary. Gary nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Adweek also ranked me the 21st most prolific cursor in the human race, so it's been a big week for me as well. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I'm really excited, I have a good context on who's on the other side of this live stream. We've been yapping a little bit here internally um, to get the juices flowing a little bit, which is nice. I, I guess the biggest thing that I'd like to do, first of all, for everybody's watching, I don't know how they're gonna collect questions, but the reality is I really am humbled and more importantly value people's time. So if you are tuning in right now, um, in the middle of the day during this time of year between both family and business realities. I'm very grateful for that and so I'd love to answer as many questions as possible. I have a feeling if you decided to tune in during this exact day, back to context, with everything that's going on professionally and personally, that you probably have a ton of context of my opinions and where I see things and there's probably a lot of alignment and, and so I think the greatest thing I can give you is to answer your question, so I'm sure, is it, they, do they see something where they can ask a question? Yep, absolutely. Awesome, so please do that. That's what I'd like to do for the majority of this half an hour. I think, I think 
a good use of this time to set it up before we get into that part is a couple things. One, what do you do when you're a B2B company like we are, like you are, and like everybody else is, when so much of what you do needs to ladder into a client's way of judging success or not, when that doesn't match your personal or your company's point of view of what's happening on the consumer level is probably the most interesting conversation all of us can have collectively. I think I've built one of the largest, quickest, fastest growing ad shops in the world ever, yet we've almost never been in a place where we're selling what the market wants at that moment. You know, to sell social media community management in 2009, literally a little bit further down in Jersey, Campbell's, and a couple other meetings, I walked in and they didn't know what Facebook and Twitter were. Literally were. Like had never downloaded it, had never used it, and if they did, there was kind of things like, Facebook, is that what my daughter's doing at college? Like it was, it's very difficult a decade later for people to understand how early that stuff was, but my belief in the medium or the, and by the way, all I think about with social media is it's the current state of the internet, right? To me, the internet takes current states, right? In the mid 90s, it was search engines and browsers, right? Mid 90s, late 90s. Then there was email, then there was search ads, then probably the one year I missed the most, which was blogging, because I wasn't capable of writing, so that was frustrating. 2002 to 2004 was a really, five was a tricky time for me, because I'm like, damn, you know, I can't believe writing mattered. I was so positive it wasn't going to. Um, and then thank God YouTube came along, and, and then after that social, and, and then autocorrect basically saved my <laughs> life. Um, and so, you know, I think, if you're on the other line right now, you know, where are you vulnerable? As an agency, when you make your expertise something that is currently in the process of becoming more vulnerable, you have to be careful. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever did an event in New Jersey to talk about business was a Chamber of Commerce event where I was on a panel with another gentleman, for the people that follow me the most, you've heard this story. He literally sold Yellow Pages ads. The crowd, about the size of this, literally spent the majority of the time making fun of me as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, because I believed in the internet, and 90% of that crowd thought the internet was a fad, truly a fad. The whole thing, not TikTok or Snapchat, the whole thing. And so, you know, I've been the beneficiary of being relevant to what the consumer's doing at that moment, not guessing. I didn't guess that everybody would do X, Y, and Z. I just paid attention that even when they were making fun of me in 1999, I was selling to 100 people a day on .com and most people didn't have a computer yet. Like really, like truly weren't even on the internet, truly yet. So I I think the number one thing that everybody who's running uh, an agency can focus on is actually having the firm prepared for 2020. What does that mean? It means things like TikTok and LinkedIn's organic reach matters. It means that influencers matter. The conversation of it being a fad or going away is laughable. It means being a deep practitioner and contextual creative at scale, understanding all the ad units, how they work differently, what's the difference between Instagram feed and Instagram swipe up, why are GRPs and impressions grossly vulnerable once the industry moves to results, why will they move to results because everyone's building their own DTC capabilities and they can now measure versus potential, what does that mean to case studies of Millard Brown or Nielsen's or Brandlift studies, like, I believe that the industry is about to get a lot smarter and I believe that that means 
that a lot of the stuff that people have been getting away with, even if they don't realize they're getting away with it, they need to create scrutiny on, which ultimately means the following for everybody who's watching. Do you believe your advertising is actually helping the business? And when, you, when I go to can and it's three o'clock in the morning, people drinking a little bit too much rosé start telling the truth. And I'm shocked by how many people you know, don't realize or more importantly, don't actually believe in what they're doing. And digital has a different thing. You know, traditional is in a real shit show because I know for sure those people don't believe in what they're selling. Digital's a little bit different because digital is around math and people get tricked by math. Math is awesome and black and white. The problem is you can get caught on math. When you are one dimensional and you're a shop that's great at CAC and LTV for acquisition for DTC brands but then the market moves and the cost of the inventory goes up and the attention declines just enough that you're underwater, you're now stuck if you're one dimensional math. And so what I think as an opening good rant is, is how protected are you? How protected are you on the philosophy of what you sell? Uh, most agencies actually fail if they lose five to 10% of their best people. So what's co- the reason I talk so much about culture and HR is I wanna remind everybody who's an agency owner right now watching that you're just selling people. So those pe- people better be happy. Like I, I just don't understand people making short-term decisions. Uh, Subtle little things, like this is exactly the time of year where you buy somebody a gift around what they actually like. I promise you, if you buy somebody in here a snowboard for, I don't fucking know anything about snowboards, for 600 bucks, instead of giving them a $750 bonus, they will be much happier, especially if they're a hardcore snow, you know, boarder, because you showed them through your actions that not only do you care, but you're listening. Little things like that. Uh, real quick, I believe the biggest vulnerability in the ad world, digital ad world, is two things. One, if you're a pass-through vendor, that is such a terrible place to be. You know, a lot of people are service providers for another agency. Uh, you're super vulnerable. Somebody else has the control. And number two, I think most agencies are too blindly captivated by their client's opinion, not by the employees' opinions or the customers of their clients' opinions. And I think that's something to think about as well. So when you're starting a digital agency today or five years ago, one of the words that comes up over and over and over again is transparency. Everybody wants to be transparent. What does that mean to you and how do you define that at Vayner? At Vayner, on the media side, we just let everybody have full access to everything. No black boxes, no black box desk, no our own systems. They have full tokenization into every platform. They 100% own all their data. I'm not looking to make margin on something that's hidden. Most of my competitors are. And by the way, when I make these absolute statements, I hope for everybody's watching, like, do you. <laughs> Run your business. I gave you my answer to that question. It's been really fun to actually be transparent. Yeah, so, sorry, I forgot. I thought you were gonna start asking questions. So. Um, <laughs> Look, I'm a, I break up the world into a couple places, media and creative, especially strategy is a very big one for me, but uh, I think about things between organic reach and paid reach, so I'm unbelievably passionate about the idea of where is their organic reach for your creative, which is why for the last six months, three months, you know, TikTok and LinkedIn have come out of my mouth aggressively. 
Um, and then I think about underpriced reach. I mean, when you can run YouTube pre-roll videos against people based on their Google search, you've got intent and brand. I know you searched for wine. I know you searched for sneakers. I don't care that you're now looking at a snowboarding video. I can pre-roll you and give myself a chance. It's a little more intrusive than I like. I do like the feed. I feel the feed is less intrusive than a pre-roll. Um, but when the pre-roll is completely grounded in your own behavior, there's a little bit less mental friction there, especially if you know how to do the creative. Um, another thing maybe worth talking about, I, I, I don't think anybody should be in a digital agency without having both media and creative under one roof. I think the separation is a vulnerability. I think that will play out over the next decade. So that's something else that's uh, top of mind. I totally agree. We just started the Catalyst Creative team for that exact reason. Yep. We, want, we, we want full synergy between the, the creative and what we're doing. I think we're going back to the 70s where agencies were held accountable because they had media and creative. Uh, I think the separation of blaming somebody else is starting to wear on the clients. And I think people like myself are leading the forefront of creating an alternative which will then create pressure on the overall industry. We talked a little bit um, before the uh, live stream started about how you've scaled uh, your company. And you know, just from, from a cultural standpoint, but also from a, a process standpoint, from a, an accountability standpoint, could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, it's a, it's a human game. You know, you know, from a cultural standpoint, from a process standpoint, it's just judging the judgers you know, at my level. I think, I think people are very naive on how much the variable of success is predicated on the CEO. You know, like she or he has a whole lot of say. They're the judge and the jury. A CEO is basically the Supreme Court. You know, like it's pretty final. These are dictatorships. You know, obviously there's boards in some companies that may have a little juice, but the reality is is that, you know, the way we've done it is by actually caring about it. You know, it's not super complicated. I would, I, we're far more advanced on culture than process. I hate process so much that I don't look at it often. And anytime I do look at it, it looks like it's going really poorly. And so then I just cry and go to sleep. And so, um, you know. You have a chief heart, heart officer. We do. You have a chief process officer. We don't. And, and I think that there's a couple reasons. Uh, I, and we won't. I believe that human beings that work in companies are disproportionately obsessed with process. And I think the second you start putting the process in front of the output, you lose. And I think almost every company puts the process in front of the output. I'd rather the process be murky and breakable than put on a pedestal. It's a tricky one. It is. It's a tricky one. But if you listen to what I just said, what you'll learn is it will come down to casting. And if you work on culture and people aren't political with each other and jerks, they'll figure it out much easier and with less friction. But the reality is, most agencies have too much process and way too much insecurity in politics and thus it's slow and clunky and crappy. You always mention how smart technology is gonna have a huge impact. So like on Joe Rogan, you use the example of how one day our fridge is gonna reorder food for us and then your belt is gonna be able to talk to your fridge and say like you're fat so you shouldn't <laughs> reorder that. Um, how do you think that digital marketing is gonna play a role in this type of world? And how do we position ourselves to be at the forefront of that? Yep. And then follow up question. Please. Before you even answer that. Yep. <laughs> uh, do you think that data privacy regulations are ready to handle 
like a world in which everything so I think, I think I'll answer the second one first. It's about data privacy regulations can handle a world where AI, where every single product is smart at scale two decades from now, which is the assumption or guess that I have right now. Uh, no, but I think there's a much bigger conversation around data privacy that's not being had, which is I actually don't think people care about the privacy. I, I think there's a much more thoughtful conversation going on that will eventually play out which is I'm gonna, I'm gonna predict that it's gonna go the other way. I would prefer that every technology knew everything about me. I mean it. Unless you kill my children or steal my money, I'd prefer you know everything. This notion of privacy, what privacy were we actually talking about? What websites I went on? My credit card number? You give away your credit card number every day, everywhere. Like Target and the IRS had much bigger breaches than Facebook. Um, you know, like I think there's this fun narrative right now to demonize technology because we don't like being accountable. Like the Russians didn't make you vote for someone. You did. You decided to believe, you know, and so this huge lack of accountability will play out. So I'm not, you know, look, if somebody is creeped out that their refrigerator reordered their milk because the milk spoke to the refrigerator and said we have one pour left, they're more than welcome to not. I keep reminding people, I'm like, don't have a smartphone. Gary, this all sucks, it's all terrible. I'm like, delete Facebook. I did. I'm like, but you're on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, but I like it. (laughs) I mean, so, look, I think as an agency, when you think about the smartification, you're talking about building. You're talking about actually being in dev, which is not a big passion of mine, ironically. I don't like building the highways. I like driving them better than anybody else. So I think when you talk about smartification, where it's all gonna lead to is brand. Brand is gonna become the most important thing because when you're ordering on a voice device, you better say Kleenex, not tissues. You better say Nike, not sneakers. Because then Amazon or Google are gonna pick for you, right? Same thing with brand. Once I put that Pepsi in that fridge, that fridge is reordering Pepsi, not me deciding to pick up Coke at an end cap at Walmart. So. Brand is, I, I can't yell about it enough. Like, look at my own behaviors. The signature, the sonic branding. Like, this is all branding for me. You know, like, all my friends call me a sucker for giving away the 270 page deck the other day. Not me. I think about brand. You feel warmer towards me. I did something nice for you. People don't get it. So, that's how I see, you know, I think privacy is really funny. Like, I think Europe is a, really miss, is really misplaying the world. I think Europe's growing irrelevance has a lot to do with the defense they have around all this stuff. When Google and Facebook and all these other companies don't want to be there, um, that's going to be bad, not good. Um, So that's where I'm at with that. Thank you. You got it. I have a question. Please. Hi. Hi. uh, I like that. Thank you. Content. What's your name? I'm Chloe. Chloe. So my question for you is, um, how do you? You're obviously putting out a lot of content over so many different platforms. So my question is, how do you measure the success of that? Is it based on purely likes? And as we start to see likes going away, well, likes will go away only for our insecurities outward, but we will still see them on the back end. But keep going. Yeah. So is I was that- wondering. 
My, my, measure, my measurement on success is far more qualitative because I'm trying to win on brand. I'm not trying to sell K-Swiss sneakers. I know that I sold a thousand pairs yesterday on this singular Instagram post, but that is not where my mind goes on is that good or bad. My mind works this way. When I went to the airport last week and a seven-year-old ran up to me and asked for a selfie, I knew TikTok was working. So for me, it's qualitative. I know something's working based on reading the comments at scale. Um, So for me, it's much more the comments themselves, not how many comments, the interpretation of the intent of the the comments, because I'm building brand. I'm not worried about how many likes and shares it gets. You're welcome. Hey, Mike. Uh, So I know that Facebook have been like testing search ads, um, you know, quite recently. I think it was rolled out uh, last month to advertisers. So I was wondering, do you envision a day where, like, for local advertisers, that Facebook becomes a viable search option as opposed to like Google and Bing? I thought so years ago, but much like I knew Google Plus wasn't going to work because it wasn't in Google's DNA. I, Facebook has not shown to me that search is inherently in their collective DNA. I'm shocked that Facebook is not a bigger search player given the scale that they had, given how great the data could have been. Um, not as confident as I used to be, but that's what's great about everything. You can reboot anything. They could hire one great executive from Google and she could drive it. I, there's a whole lot of interesting data that I'd love to search that's public in Facebook from a search engine standpoint. So, um, but I do think certain companies have certain DNAs. You know? Mm-hmm. I've actually got another question. Please. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is like, I know what we talked about earlier, uh, and you kind of did answer it, but Google just released their like cloud gaming platform, yep. Google Stadia. Yep. Do you envision, like, basically within the next decade, we're now seeing like gaming ads? by, like, offered by Google? Yes. Google will absolutely go into dynamic gaming ads. They just need to have the control of the inventory. So they've got to win the IP game because if they have to go through Blizzard or somewhere else, they've got a problem. Whoever owns the IP wins that game, right? Otherwise, they're gonna have to pay a huge vig to the game creator to get in there. And then by nature, the ad won't be inherently native because there'll be a friction between two different companies, almost like creative and media. So I think Google, but I think what people forget is how big these companies are. Like Google can buy one of the top gaming studios in the world. But yes I do. Gaming is, people are extremely naive about where gaming is in our society. Like esports is easily one of the top three sports in America in 15 years with basketball and soccer being the other two that have the most upside. Whereas football is stagnant, even though it's America's passion, and hockey and baseball continue to decline. I mean, the five best baseball players in America could walk into this office right now, and 95% of this audience would not know who they are. They'd be like, those are some good looking buff dudes. (laughs) But they wouldn't know that it's Mike Trout, and he's the best player. The best. And, when you're in a place where the, disp- by the way, not only is Mike Trout the best player in baseball, he's probably gonna go down as one of the best players of all time. And the fact that half the audience doesn't even know who that is, is a real big problem for baseball. 
And that, by the way, this is a good lesson for digital agencies and marketers and business people. That's because baseball took the stance a decade ago that they would create an organization called BAM and they would monetize every piece of content. Thus, every free piece of content on YouTube and social media was taken down by Major League Baseball. Plus, baseball teams couldn't do their own stuff, nor could players. It was all controlled at a central level to monetize. They made a lot of money in the short term, but they completely killed the brand of the sport. Along the lines of uh, con- controlling the IP, I know that you had mentioned Nintendo and them finally kind of getting into the app game. If yes. you ran Nintendo, what would be your next move to win that game? If I ran Nintendo today, I'd probably put out 5,000 pieces of creative content starring Zelda and Mario and build up the IP and make sure all those characters and all those visions would be winning on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. You have to make sure that Kid Icarus and you know, Mega Man and all these things reboot all that nostalgia brands, not just Mario and Zelda. Um, and then I would innovate for games within the environments of streaming. Like, you know, like, there's no reason that Fortnite couldn't have been predicated on Nintendo characters. So I would look at multiplayer you know, streaming games and I would look at mobile games very heavily for females because the IP translates extremely well to the female demo. Um, And uh, I would just be contemporary. I'd probably start 10 original podcasts. I would just produce at scale. This has now become singularly a making game. Make, 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 make. I think our uh, final question we have from uh, one of the live streamers. Uh, Ed from SAI Digital is, what would be the biggest impact 5G will make in digital marketing out of the gate in five years ahead? Ed, is it? Ed, I'm not really sure. The one thing that I really know about 5G, so I think it's funny how people think about 5G. Most people, if they're even aware of it, are like, cool, my phone will be faster. (laughs) Meanwhile, this is a transcending technology. Um, 5G will be the reason that autonomous cars become real because the lag time will be zero. Uh, 5G is the reason that a surgeon could be woken up in Brazil tonight because she's the best in the world at a certain surgery and she can VR with 5G performing surgery on you while you're in New Jersey. That's amazing. So the speed in which information moves is so incredible. I don't remember the exact fact, but this is not like from four to five. This is like from four to 40 or four to 400. I don't remember if it's 10X or 100, but it's profound. So I, I think that the ability for information to move with no lag is what is really going to be profound. Things like, the, you know, when you start thinking about technology where the paint is smart. Some of the things we talked about with the refrigerator and things of that nature are predicated on 5G. Think about a world where our pavement outside is smart and because of 5G can speak to our car and your car actually slightly moves so you don't hit the puddle going 72 on the turnpike, which mathematically would have meant you would have lost control enough and predicated on where all the other cars were positioned to you, it avoided an accident for you. That's crazy ass shit. 5G. (laughs) Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.